Hey mamas, you're listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast, the only podcast teaching you how to balance your work, motherhood, and wellness. I am Dr. Amber Thornton, clinical psychologist and mama wellness consultant. Each week we dive into tips and strategies and much more so that you too can become a balanced working mama. Let's dive in. Hey mamas, it's Dr. Amber here. I am um, checking in from postpartum land, (laughs) Um, but so glad that you're listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're here for episode 36. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, before we get into it, let's do a quick check-in. I am doing okay today. If you've been following along on Instagram, you know that I've had some challenges in postpartum recently. You might hear Eden. She's laying right here. I need to change her diaper. I'm about to do that in a hot second. Um, But I've I've had some challenges with regard to um, some preeclampsia that popped up for me, but then also my anxiety and you know, just all of that has made things a little challenging, but there are definitely some good days, and today is one of those days. Uh, we got to see some of our family today, um, got to get out a little bit yesterday, so those are good things. And one thing that I'm really working on doing is really um, getting back to some of the basics that I know help to ground me in moments when things are challenging. And this is something that I had to do in my first postpartum experience as well. So simple things like a gratitude practice, um, you know, just really getting back into the habit of consistently writing down three things that I'm grateful for at the end of every night or making sure that I absolutely take a shower every day. Um, something I'm really enjoying recently is making sure that I get out for a walk each day. And mind you, I'm still very early in my postpartum and I also had a C-section. So me getting out to walk is like five minutes up and down my driveway when the weather permits. So really simple things like that, finding what brings me joy, but more importantly, what keeps me in the present moment. Um, I talked about postpartum anxiety on my Instagram not too long ago. And the thing about anxiety, postpartum or not, is that anxiety really keeps you away from the present moment. It keeps you oftentimes in the future or thinking about what if or what should be or what could be. A lot of things that honestly may never happen. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of fear. Sometimes there's a lot of guilt. And with that, one way to really tackle that is to stay in the present moment as much as possible. And so I'm trying to um, do things that ground me in the moment. <laughs> so meditation or um there's a bunch of things that can pull me back into the moment. And so I say all that to say, there's been some ups, there's been some downs, but I'm happy to be here and um, (laughs) enjoying Eden and also really looking forward to um, this postpartum journey continuing because I know the further I get into it, the better I will feel. All right, so with that being said, let's talk about today's episode. Um, I know some of you are thinking, how the hell 
that she got all these interviews on this podcast this season. Y'all, I pre-recorded a lot. <laughs> and so I do have an interview today. I have a special guest and I love this woman and I think you're going to really love what she's going to talk about today on the podcast episode. We pre-recorded this a few months ago and I'm excited for it to be here today. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, as always, please, if you enjoy the Balanced Working Mama podcast, share it with another mama that you know, and let's get into today's episode. Hey mama, I want to quickly tell you about the Empower Wellness Program. This is a dynamic six-week group for working mothers who are tired of feeling overwhelmed, fatigued, burdened by mom guilt, but then also just not having enough time for themselves. This program takes all of that and transforms it into more wellness, more time for yourself, better priorities, community with other mothers, but then overall balance in your work, motherhood, and wellness. To learn more about the Empower Wellness Program, head over to balanceworkingmama.com. There you can find when the next program begins, what to expect, but then also how to sign up. Hope to see you in the next group. Hey mamas, so we have another very special guest today on the podcast and I have um, so many really good things to say about her, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. But what I will say is that she is a very ambitious mama. She's just does so many good things. She also is one of our Empower Wellness Mamas. So just happy to have her on the podcast to talk about all the good stuff that she's doing. So I would love to introduce Nikki to you. So please, Nikki, tell us a little bit more about you and what you're going to share with us today. Sure. Um, so I am a Black mama, wife, attorney, entrepreneur, and a proud double alumna of our university. Uh, for over a decade, I've worked as a child and family therapist, a case manager to families experiencing homelessness, um, and a variety of other roles. I currently own and manage Trusted Legal Solutions, a boutique law firm in D.C., and I'm also a real estate investor. That was powerful. Like just <laughs> even the introduction, I'm like, "Ooh, where is she taking us? What is happening?" <laughs> so much. Oh my goodness. Okay, so so now y'all see why I'm so proud of her because she really does do so much and she has so many skills. And the funny thing is, you didn't even mention what you're gonna talk about today. And so you have another thing that you do. And so not only is she, she, she works with children, she's child development, knowledge, she's a lawyer, she's got her own practice, she is a bomb mama, but also she is very well versed in Montessori methods. And so that's what I really want to talk with you about today. And so you let that out. See, and that's why you're so good at what you do. Um, <laughs> so I... Since the pandemic started, um, like many other families, I've had to figure out what to do with my preschooler in terms of education. Um, preschoolers were just not thought about when it comes to you know, virtual learning or what we were gonna do just in general with, with them not being able to go to school. So I spent countless nights finding resources that worked for us um, and also that met, met my needs as a caregiver who was also working full time. 
So in terms of the culture at Montessorian, my goal is to serve as a resource to other families and to also be an example to other families, particularly black and brown families who are considering homeschooling or just want to supplement their virtual learning programs or just bring Montessori into their homes in general. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and I don't know, I just love what you do because of course I follow you on Instagram and you all will definitely let you know where you can find her at the end. Um, but I really love what you do with your child in terms of um, just setting up the structure, the environments, what you teach your child and just, just all the stuff. And I feel like, well, this is my opinion and you can tell me what you think. I feel like the word Montessori is always like a, a buzzword. Like when people hear, they're like, ooh. And some people have really strong feelings um, like for it. And then other people have really strong feelings against it. And so I always feel very empowered when I see another Black mama or a, a Black family really embracing it and making it their own. And so I, it definitely sounds like for you, what led you to that is, the pandemic and needing to find workable solutions for your preschooler, because you're absolutely right. Um, I, as you know, and you all know, I work for a school. Um, some of our schools do have pre-K and pre-K virtually is just not, uh, <laughs> it's not it, it really is not. And so I really do feel for like the toddlers and the pre-K kids, because I think the, the pandemic has really been something that's hit them and, and the families hard. Um, but I wanted to definitely ask you, when we hear that word Montessori, what do we even, what does that even mean? Because I think, again, it's one of those buzzwords that we hear and some of us have very strong feelings about it or no feelings at all. Um, but I really would love to hear from you. What does it mean and how should we be thinking about that word or that term? Um, so one thing is, I think in terms of our communities and when I say our, I mean black and brown, um, I think we tend to associate Montessori with something that rich white people do. Um, it is very much a luxury and a privilege to be able to put your kid in a Montessori school. I mean, a lot of times we don't really have a real understanding of what that means. Um, it's a misconception. The Kavanaugh Report, they're, they're a family that does Montessori. I mean, they're really popular online and they have a really you know, nice definition that I like. They kind of summarizes everything. And they say that Montessori um, started as an educational system, but has become more of a lifestyle. It's become a way to raise children from birth that allows them to blossom at their own pace, discover their own interests, develop deep concentration, and become fiercely independent. This happens through the creation of a prepared environment, respect from an adult, and a focus on following the child. And that, in a nutshell, is Montessori at its core. Um, Dr. Maria Montessori is the founder and creator. Um, she was basically an educator who did all of this research just by observing the children that she worked with. And this is what she came up with, the Montessori method. It's basically just allowing the child to teach themselves by learning from the environment. It means that we as an adult create the environment that's gonna nurture that kid's learning and allow them to move at their own pace. Um, it's all about respecting a child, respecting a child's voice, and also teaching about, you know, different cultures and how you as a child fits into the world that you're involved in. 
I love that. And I love that you put in that the word, the misconceptions, because I think you're absolutely right. Um, because when I first heard of the term Montessori, and it was probably even before I became a mom, I think I did have that association of like, oh, this is what rich white people do. And that's not what we do. Right. <laughs> and yep. I'm learning now that that's not true. And I also think there's this other misconception. And again, this is partly mine too, that I'm trying to unwork. And that's why I'm loving learning from people like you about this is that, for instance, I'm thinking about Montessori schools. I think we hear that a lot. And I think there's people who believe that Montessori schools are basically just schools where you send your kids and your kids are just, it's like a free for all day. Like they get to decide everything that they do. And then then it's like, well, what do they learn or how do they learn? And I feel like well, that's another misconception that I'm, I just don't think is true. Right. I mean, it is to an extent. So they do choose what they learn, but the materials through which they do that learning are prepared by an adult. It is still structured. It's just not the structure in the way that we think about education. And you know, I should also say that, you know, that misconception about Montessori in general, that's an American thing. The, the way we have you know, commercialized Montessori education in the United States is, the not, is not the way that it's done in other parts of the world. Uh, for example, in places like Italy, Montessori is it's a public education thing. It's kind of the standard. Their teachers are you know, stressed out and underpaid, just like our public school teachers are. Um, but here, Montessori is mostly private, and you're looking at paying, you know, at least 20000 a year just to send your kid to Montessori school. So it's definitely an American thing, and here it is for rich white people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I love the conversation. It is so layered in culture. Like, there's so much about this that is very bound and wound up in the culture that we're living in. Like, of course, we're talking about, like, very rich white people versus black and brown people but then also just American culture in general and I think sometimes it's hard for us to um, see beyond that because mm -hmm. it's, it's the dominant culture here we are American but it's nice to know that um, there's a very distinct way that American people do this and it's not like this everywhere else exactly yeah and so that so that leads me to my next question because I think and what I love about your Instagram and what you share with us is that there is a difference. Well, not so difference as in um, there are Montessori schools, but then there are also Montessori principles that any of us can implement into our home. And that's what I wanted to ask you. How do you implement Montessori principles into your home? And how is that different from um, what we might think of as like a more traditional Montessori school? So I think one of the biggest differences um, between home and school, at least in my house, is that I don't have the budget for the fancy shelves and all of the Montessori materials. Um, another thing is that I'm, I'm the parent. I'm the mama. I'm not just, you know, the guy that you see when you go to school for eight hours a day. I'm the person that my kid comes to for comfort and nurturing and love and all of those things. So the way a traditional Montessori guy might be more hands off and the child might be significantly more independent at school, we're not going to get that at home because when she falls and hurts herself, she's going to cry and, you know, come sit on my lap or she can't figure something out and she's frustrated, she's gonna come to me for comfort. And as her mama, I'm gonna provide that, which is something that you might not get in the exact same way in a Montessori classroom. 
Um, some of the things that we do at home is we basically set everything up to foster independence and to support her being successful. So for example, the things that she might need to access daily to be independent, we have brought them down to her level or added tools to support. Um, so something like washing her hands. She always washes her hands before she eats. So at this stage, she's three and a half, we have a stool in all of the bathrooms and the faucet extender so that the water will reach her hands and she's not in having to reach all over the counter. We have um, a soap dispenser that she can easily press down on her own. Now, when she was younger and she couldn't climb up on the stool safely, hand washing looked more like two bowls on a, a water resistant pad on the floor so that she could wash her hands on her own that way. Um, so basically everything in the house is set up so that she can do it by herself and with, with limited instruction or supervision. Wow, I love that. And it, again, it reminds me of what you said, like it's a way to help foster independence in our children and success. Um, and it made me think of things that I'm kind of doing and also things I wanna to continue to do with my son. Um, like for instance, we also have the stools, we have the toddler towers in the bathroom and in the kitchen. Love those, cause otherwise he wouldn't be able to wash his hands by himself. Um, Picking up 30 pounds every time. No. <laughs> so no. So yeah, having those towers have really been helpful um, with also helping him to brush his teeth and things. Um, it's so funny, my husband just today, it was delivered. My husband bought this mini vacuum cleaner that looks just like ours. <laughs> and it is so cute. It's literally like a same thing except for little people. And so that's exciting because I'm excited to show him like, look, this is what you can use if you have a spill or look, you can help mommy clean. And so I'm guessing that that's probably part of this as well. That's Montessori. That is essentially it, especially for the like zero to six age group. Um, fundamentally, that's how they learn by absorbing everything in their environment. And practical life skills is a big part of Montessori for that age range because they naturally want to follow us around and do everything that we're doing. And so this is a great age where you teach them how to do chores so that as they grow older, it doesn't feel like chores. It's just these are the things that we do to keep our home and our environment clean. How we have to do it. And you all know I love having my son help me with the dishwasher. Everybody's oh, Montessori. <laughs> and I was going to ask you, like, is that a Montessori principle, like having him help me with that? It definitely is. It's so it's little things that we probably don't think about that most of us already do. And I think for, again, black and brown cultures, we've been doing Montessori. It may not have had the name Montessori, but we've been doing Montessori just like many other cultures that have you know, people of color or many other cultures um, outside of the United States. When your kid stays home with you until they're five or six, that kid is probably doing some level of household responsibility. And all of that is Montessori. I love it. I think for me, it even helps to make it less overwhelming when you think about it like that, too. It's like, you know, yes, there are other things that we can do um, that we're not already doing, but there are there's still some things right now that we're doing that um, embrace some of these principles. And it makes me think of the next thing I want to ask you is for us specifically brown and black families. Um, why should we even embrace and want to learn more about 
Montessori learning? Because I think <laughs> there's probably, I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming that for us, there might be some pushback, there might be some hesitation. Again, we talked about it does feel and sound like that thing that rich white people do. And so whenever there's that um, perception about it, um, it's harder for us to come on board. And so why do you think it's important for us to even be thinking about this or embrace something like this? So this is probably my favorite thing in the whole wide world to talk about. You might have to stop me if I go over your, <laughs> your timeline. Um, so my background is it's in mental health and child development. I used to work with um, kids who were abused and neglected. So literally child development and how kids you know, internalize the things that they're told and how they kind of absorb everything in their environment is something something that I know, you know all too well. And I've seen all the bad parts of that. And I think in terms of school and black and brown kids, the data is there. Y'all can't argue with it. Black kids have very traumatic experiences in school. School is often hostile and demoralizing and we just don't have healthy experiences there. You can ask you know, countless black and brown folks if they've ever had something negative happen with a teacher or an administrator in their school. And everybody's gonna say yes that should never be the case. You know, it's, it's exhausting, it's disgusting. Um, I hate it and learning should not be traumatic, especially for children. So um, black and brown children, you know, we often have to conform or change something about ourselves or you know, minimize ourselves, something that's cultural to fit into the little box of what society thinks we should be because unfortunately our teachers and our school systems, they come to the table with you know, their, their biases and institutionalized racism is real. Um, so Montessori, the true teachings of Montessori focus on teaching the child one to do things themselves, to learn things at their own pace. And when a child does that, that starts them off with a sense of confidence. So it's not, you know, I, I can't learn this multiplication chart because it's a chart and that's not how I learn. Montessori is gonna give you the physical tools. And if you need to be you know, on the floor counting out those bears, or if you need to be standing on your head as you figure out something, Montessori is going to support you and encourage you in doing that. It's however you need to learn and it's at your own pace and you're not being judged for that. You're not being forced to sit at a desk and do things that other people are telling you is appropriate or that's the way that you do it. Um, okay, and so another thing is that Montessori, again, the true teaching of Montessori, like if you go read Maria Montessori's works, which are available, all of her research is, you can Google it and find it for free. Um, if you read those things, you'll see that she really focused on culture. You know, we are a part of a bigger world and the world does not revolve around us. We're just small, small pieces of that world. And that means that we respect everybody and everybody's differences. And so right off the bat, Montessori is coming in and teaching kids that you matter. Um, you're not gonna be like everybody else. Everybody is not gonna be like you and those things are okay and it's normalized. So the difference in you know, colors and complexions that's normalized actually teaching about different cultures and different ways of life that's normalized. They start off doing that in Montessori. 
And I think that's really important when you talk about black and brown kids who are often going into settings where they might be the only or where they have to be so confident in themselves that they're not going to come home crying because somebody asked them, you know, why is their hair nappy or why is their skin dark? Um, so Montessori is teaching them to accept all of the different cultural differences. Um, another thing for me is that when I weigh options as a parent, Montessori feels like it's going to be the least detrimental to my baby's psyche. It, it's not going to hurt her self-esteem in the way that it would if she's walking into a classroom where her nice white lady teacher is teaching everybody, you know, I don't know, she's saying something about hair care and it's, it's something like, you know, don't come in here with your hair out of place. My baby's hair is always out of place. That's how it grows out of her head. It's not going to look like Susie's hair. And so I don't want her to hear that every day. I want her to be in an environment where those differences, again, are nurtured and normalized. Um, another thing is that creating a childhood centered around joy is something that's important to me because one day my baby is going to grow up and go out to a world that literally hates her. As a Black woman in America, she's hated simply because she's Black. She's disrespected. She's devalued. And, you know, society basically tells us that Black women aren't shit and our lives don't matter. And so for me, it's very important to surround her with the opposite of that for as long as I have the ability to. So as long as our babies are little, uh, my idea is that if we surround them with joy and magic and, you know, just comforting and love and all of those things, when they grow up and they get hit with that harsh reality of the world, they're okay. Because from birth, we've told them the complete opposite. So I always joke that, you know, in a perfect world, my baby goes to school and somebody asks her why her hair is nappy. And she's like, why isn't yours? Like this, this is how it's supposed to be. This is the good, you know, this is magic. And to me, Montessori encourages all of that, with make, which makes it the best possible option for my Black child. <laughs> afterwards. I love all, I, I grabbed my pencil and started writing <laughs> everything you were saying because it's so, it's real. And it's funny, like the last part, you were saying joy as the center. And that's what I wrote down. And it's funny because, again, when I watch you on Instagram, you know, doing this stuff at the Culture Montessori, but again, we'll, we'll share all those details. Um, it looks like there's so much joy. And honestly, not only for her, but also for you too. It just looks like such a joyful experience that you both are having. And I love watching the videos. I love when you're teaching us something new. I love when you're teaching her something. It, it really does feel like joy is at the center of what you all are doing. And also that first part you said, really just instilling the confidence in them. And I think that is something that is so important for our, our black and brown children um, because this world has a way of stealing their confidence and stealing their joy and not making them feel empowered. And we don't want that. And so whatever we can do to help them walk into the world feeling confident, feeling sure of themselves, feeling like they've got it and whatever, they've accepted themselves. I really do think we should do it. And I just appreciate you so much for really helping us to see that a Montessori method and Montessori principles can actually help us do that. Because again, I don't, I don't think we think about this like this enough. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to hear this perspective, but 
also, like you said, just with the way that Montessori truly is supposed to be done, it really is inclusive and it embraces cultural differences. And it, it reminded me of, you shared a post not too long ago. I feel like you shared several books so far um, and just information about sexual, or I'm sorry, gender identity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that way and really teaching your child about gender identity and what that means and introducing books related to that. And that's just another way to be very inclusive, but also teaching our children that, hey, everybody's different. We yeah. all are different. You might be different from someone else and vice versa. And we're going to embrace and accept these. Um, and so I, again, I love it and I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board. I'm excited for you to start teaching us all these things. It really does make sense. It really does. And some of it, you know, I can't, I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, Montessori is the best, you know, for Black kids. I have been literally immersed in this research since last March. So it's been a year of reading everything. Um, and I'll, at some point on the website, there will be you know, like a list of resources and I'll make sure to post all of the actual studies that you know the sociologists and the educators have done where they actually are proving, hey, this is how we know Montessori is effective specifically for black and brown kids. And again, I will always say black people have been doing Montessori for years, particularly in the 60s and 70s, we went hard for Montessori. Um, In some places like New York, the reason they have Montessori schools or Montessori training facilities are because some black women were like, oh, we need this for our kids. We're bringing it to Harlem and here you go. So we, like, we've literally been doing this work. And it's funny because honestly, if you dig into all types of history about anything, you'll probably see some black women being like, hey, <laughs> we're part of this. And it, but the, again, that history gets lost. And so, again, I just appreciate you for um, really immersing yourself in the history of this to really teach us a different way to think about it because I think it's so important. Um, and so, I know that there's a mama who's probably listening and she's like, oh, this sounds amazing. I really want to do it. I just don't know if I can or she might feel overwhelmed by it all. Because to be honest, I feel a little overwhelmed. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to do this. You know, I'm sold on how this is for my Black children. And I, I see the benefit. And But I'm also a little worried about, well, what do I have to do? What, 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 how can I start? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so if there is a mama listening who wants to start this, but just not sure where or how, um, maybe give us three tips for how she might start to embrace more Montessori um, principles at home for her children. Sure. Um, So my knowledge right now is limited to the zero to six range. Um, I just, I don't have the capacity to go past six right now. I have a couple years before I get there. So (laughs) I'm going to take my time. And after you hit six years old, it's a different plane of development. So the child's needs have changed at that point. Um, So what's needed is going to be different once you're past six. So for zero to six-year-olds, it's all about practical life experiences, and those are the easiest things to implement first. So um, the first thing I would say is start making your home accessible so that they can do things themselves. And that's, again, making, putting the faucet extender on. And that's like a $5 thing you can buy from Amazon. Getting a stool. You can get, I think, $10 stools from Ikea or Target. It does not have to be expensive. Um, If you are trying to um, 
really get them involved and you really like take the leap, you can start having them help with household responsibilities, preparing food, cleaning, whatever else it is that you do in your home, you include the kids in doing those activities too. And some people will you know, be turned off with food prep, like, oh, I don't want my kids to handle the knife. There are child safe things that you can buy for them. And if you're just not willing or not able to buy those things, they can do things in different ways. So for example, um, if they can cut with kid scissors, they can cut lettuce. They can rip lettuce with their hands. They can peel an orange, they can peel an egg. There are little things they can do that won't cost you any money to start, but will still get the ball rolling with the Montessori experience. And I know you're going to go on, but I wanted to say that I re it reminded me I've been having my son help me with my salads. And that's fun and cute, too. Um, <laughs> but you just you made me think of how I can kind of up it a bit, because I, what I usually do is chop all the vegetables and then have him place it in the bowl, which is a good start. Mm -hmm. But even with like the spinach, instead of me chopping it, I can teach him how to tear it. or right. um, And so, again, I love that because it's like yeah practical life experiences and just grounding it in that is just oh, I love that <laughs> yeah um and I think so that was two and lastly I would say take inventory of your own expectations and limitations as an adult so for example yes my three-year-old is doing her own laundry but I don't expect her to fold the pajamas as neatly as I would I expect her to do what I showed her to do in the way that she's able based on her motor skills. So that means that I can't do a fancy, you know, sock fold. I can't do a fancy shirt fold because she doesn't have the literal physical ability to do it in the same way. Um, and so what I might do for that is I'll leave her little ugly piles of clothes um, that aren't as neat or aren't as straight on the shelf because she's proud of them and she worked towards them. And so every day that she sees her little raggedy stack of pajamas, she knows, you know, I did this. And she even perks up, she's proud of it. And so that's something that I think we have to remind ourselves of. Their work product is not gonna look like ours. It is a slow progression, but you know, here we are mm, a year into my three-year-old doing her laundry. So she started folding around two and every week she learned a new skill her pajama stack looks like mine now you know she can get things on the shelf on her own she can open and close the drawer so as they grow and develop they're still carrying all the things that we taught them and so if we just control what we expect and control our limitations in terms of you know realizing it's things that we don't want them to do but we know they need to do um, the best example i have is the stove um, it is very hard for me to let my kid cook on the stove because she's three and safety tells me that that's not a good idea. But I have to realize that if I'm scared for her to do it, she's gonna always be scared to do it. And so I have to adjust you know, that limitation, which means maybe I am teaching her about being safe in the kitchen first. Maybe I'm teaching her about hot and cold. Maybe I'm allowing her to have those sensory experiences with other objects that won't cause third degree burns. So maybe she's starting out with toast before she goes to the stove with the open flame. And then when she understands all of that, I'm giving her a little room to kind of grow and expand. Everybody has access to food in their house. Everybody has access to water. At least I hope we all do. Um, but in some way, however that is, we're washing our hands and we're preparing food. So those are always the ways that people can start 
to implement Montessori. That won't cost any more money. It might take a little more time, but it won't cost any more money. Love it. I could just cry. I love it. I really do. Like it's just making me think about so much. And again, the way you broke it down really took away some of the um, anxiety and overwhelm that I was feeling about. Well, how do I continue to implement this? I love that, like you said, for zero to six right now, we're focusing on those practical life experiences. Think about making your home more accessible, but then also really adjusting your expectations. Um, around this, you know, if you have a, a three-year-old, of course, he or she is not going to fold the clothes like you do, but they can do it in their own way, and again, it's funny, it's keep making me think of my son, so he also really likes to clean up, I'm teaching him to clean up after he eats, which is really just taking the wipe and wiping down his tray, he doesn't do a good job, Mm -hmm. but <laughs> he does it and so one thing I realized I was doing the other day is I let him do it and then I would like go over it and he would see me do it and one thing that is making me think is I want to I mean if I'm gonna go over it behind him I'm gonna do it when he doesn't see me I don't want to do that in front of him because I don't want him to see like oh I, did, I didn't do a job or mommy has to do it after me or, you know, something like that. And so I'm going to really try to think about that because I think that's me having to be more, um, just adjust my expectations a little bit. I want to prioritize him feeling confident and successful in simply wiping down his own area. And I don't want to just go behind him and do it like, like his, his job wasn't. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. But I mean, so, but you also want them to do it well. And I think that's the hard part too, because we're still teaching as we're doing this. So something like that, I might, maybe every other day that he does it, I don't do it with him. And then maybe whatever day I decide I'm going to teach him, I might be like, oh, you know, look at that. I see there are some more crumbs. I'm just going to get those crumbs up. Do you see what I did? And the next day he's probably going to be like, oh, it's more, you know, it's more crumbs. Let me grab it too. Like they literally will do everything that we do nice okay so not exactly go so far as not wiping behind him but more so teaching him like hey I see something else and this is how we clean it even more mm -hmm. and so then he'll understand like okay oh I see some more so let me let me do it better not better but you know I'll, I'll continue to level up <laughs> in this. I love that. Okay. And again, this is why you need to be teaching us this because <laughs> I can see how there are levels to this. Um, and it's really helpful to have someone like you to have the knowledge and to really just instruct and guide us as we try to implement some of these things. So thank you so much. Because I, again, I know that mamas are going to be listening to this and feel more empowered to be able to um, implement something like this into their home. So now with that being said, where can we find you? <laughs> like, how can we learn more about this stuff? How can we learn more about what you do? Where are you at? Tell us more about how mamas can connect with you. So these days, I am almost always on Instagram. Um, you, know, you encourage me to find a hobby and this has become my hobby. <laughs> um, so you can follow me on Instagram at thecultured underscore Montessorian. I also have a website, theculturedmontessorian.com. Um, and even, you know, if you just go to Instagram, you can click the link in the bio to get to the website. 
you guys can subscribe and there will be a blog coming soon. I'm working out all the details. Typically um, the blog posts are gonna be expanding upon the questions that I get in the DMs on Instagram and they're really good questions. And so I really wanna take the time to expand, explain, provide resources where people can get all of that information. Uh, but I wanna know what you guys you know, need to know if nobody tells me. So definitely subscribe, follow me on Instagram, send me a message. Um, and let me know which I want to hear and see more of. And I'm happy to make it available. Yay, I love it. So we'll definitely include all of that in the show notes so mamas can connect with you. But otherwise, thank you for coming and talking me. Like, this was super helpful. I love when I have podcast guests on who actually help me learn things. Um, and this it was exactly what this was for today. And so thank you so much. I'm excited to implement this, some of this stuff. And I know some of the mamas will be too. Thank you. Hey mama, Balanced Working Mama is growing. I want to make sure that you stay connected and up to date with everything happening over here. So you don't miss any of the good stuff, head over to balanceworkingmama.com, sign up for the newsletter. You'll always be the first to learn of any new podcast episodes, events, programs, and you'll get a hello from me every now and then. So sign up today, mama, because I want to connect with you soon. All right, mamas, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Definitely give Nikki a follow on her Instagram at the cultured Montessorian. I absolutely love Nikki. I love working with her. She was in the Empower Wellness Program. We're doing some extra work um, to make sure that she's really the bomb mama that she wants to be. But also, I love what she's doing with the Montessori method and the Montessori work. She knows what she's talking about. She's so passionate about this. And I really do believe you all will get so much benefit from it. So again, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now, before you go, I want to leave you with a bit of a announcement, a surprise. I'm not really sure how to say it, but basically what I want you to know, this will be today's tip. Or <laughs> What I want you to know is that Balanced Working Mama has recently received a makeover at our website, and I am so excited about it. Balanced Working Mama is over a year old, and we've come so far in this last year. And with that, I felt like it was important for us to look the part and change some things up a bit. So if you are listening to this right now, please, please, please head over to balancedworkingmama.com to check out our new website. I'm so proud of it. I'm so happy about it. But then also you might notice some tweaks coming soon to the Balanced Working Mama Instagram because the whole thing is getting a makeover. So I am super excited about it. With that, while you are at balancedworkingmama.com, I really want you to check out our interview series. Starting this week, we will be airing, well not airing, we will be highlighting several mamas for the next few weeks who are phenomenal, who are powerful, who are empowering, who are uplifting on our website each week. 
for the month of May and June. And I really want you to check it out. So we should have our first mama up there right now. Please go read about her, read about her story, read about why she is so encouraging and so uplifting, so empowering. And please come back each week to hear about another mama who is um, just out here shining. So Again, thank you all for supporting Balanced Working Mama. Thank you for supporting me through this postpartum period. I know my audio is a little funky right now, but that's where we're at <laughs> for the moment. Um, so please, 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 once again, head over to the website, check out our interview series that we have going on, and let me know what you think about the makeover. All right, mamas, I hope that you enjoy your week and talk soon. Hey, Mama, thank you for listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast. If you love this podcast, please be sure to rate it and share it with another mama that you know. And don't forget to follow me and Balanced Working Mama on Instagram. I'll talk to you soon.